This is a talk with Todd, otherwise known as a Todd talk. Welcome to episode one. This is Todd. Every country has a story. Today we look at the story of a faraway country from my own homeland in the U.S. We look at the story of its people, particularly the first people in that country. Let us explore New Zealand and the story of its original settlers, the Maori. In high school, I read a novel called The Bone People. It had this utopian vision of a possible unity between Maori and Western culture in New Zealand. The book itself is not directly a story about the Maori people, but it whet my appetite just enough to want to learn more about this people group. Who were they? Where'd they come from? What's their culture like? When and how did they get to New Zealand? Today, Maori tourism is huge in New Zealand. The number of people interested in learning their language is skyrocketing. Meghan Markle even used a bit of that language in one of her speeches in New Zealand recently. To learn more about this people group, the Maori, I am going to interview myself. I've made up the questions and I'll be responding. Here we go. So who are the Maori, Todd? Where'd they come from? When did they arrive in New Zealand? That's a brilliant question. I had to look around a bit, but here's what I found. We actually don't know for sure. It's believed that the first Maori arrived in New Zealand in the 14th century, so sometime in the 1300s. The Maori language was never written until the 1800s, so we only know this based on strong oral history and tradition. Although archaeological evidence does point to their arrival sometime in the 1300s as well. Their traditional history describes their origins in terms of waves of migration that culminated in the arrival of a great fleet in the 14th century from Hawaii, which is a mythical land in Polynesia. All right, all right. So for our listeners out there who are not sure they'd be able to point to Polynesia on a map, Please enlighten us. Yeah, good question. I actually didn't know where Polynesia was before this either. So it turns out it's a wide expanse of the Pacific Ocean. It's dotted with more than a thousand remote islands, many of them nations. It kind of forms this triangle all the way from Hawaii in the north to New Zealand in the south, and then as far east as Easter Island, which is off the coast of South America. And this mythical land of Hawaii, which I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but that's apparently where these Maori, which again, I'm not sure if I'm saying the Maori correctly either, but they supposedly came from this land, and that's usually identified as modern-day Tahiti in French Polynesia. How far is Tahiti from New Zealand? It's about 2,600 miles, a little over that, or just over 4,000 kilometers. So how did they travel over 4,000 kilometers across the ocean to a land they didn't know was even there in the 14th century? That's a good question. I mean, the Polynesians, they were master sea navigators. They came over in canoes using only natural navigation aids, such as stars, ocean currents, sun, wind, etc. These navigators had high status in Polynesian societies. This bit's only somewhat related to your question, but I did find it interesting. Did you know New Zealand was the last major landmass in the world to be explored by humans? Interesting, but I do. I feel like I know where the story is going, though. I feel like the Maori were probably living in a perfect harmony in this newfound land, new digs in New Zealand, 
And then someone just had to come mess it up probably, right? My friend, you are wise beyond your years. Yes, that's exactly what happened. Abel Tasman, he's the first European that's going to stumble across New Zealand, but unknowingly. He actually didn't sail from Europe. He was working with the Dutch East Company, Dutch East India Company, sorry. And he had sailed from modern-day Jakarta, Indonesia. His fleet arrives off the coast of New Zealand, having taken a southern route that no one else had ever taken before, in December 1642. Supposedly, as the story goes, some Maori warrior canoes came out to say hello to these visitors. And after four of his men were killed, Abel Tasman said, I think we've had enough here, and he turns around and leaves. He did have enough time to name it Murderer's Bay, though. It's since been renamed to the Golden Bay. Probably wisely, but no one else would come back to New Zealand for over 100 years. Then in 1769, Captain James Hook circumnavigated New Zealand's North and South Islands. He was impressed by the Maori, actually, and thought New Zealand seemed a fine place for colonization. Apparently, he maybe didn't get the memo from Abel Tasman. His interactions did go more smoothly, though, with the Maori, probably because he brought a priest called Tupea with him from Tahiti, whose native language was probably related to the Maori language. Cook also had this interesting strategy. He decided to kidnap a few Maori, treated them well, and then let them go as a sign of goodwill. Apparently, this helped a bit. I'm sure we won't do it justice here, Todd, but give us a quick recap on what happened then in the 18 and 1900s. Wars. Lots of wars. The Maori were a bit of a warrior culture to begin with anyways. They often had battled rival tribes over the course of years for supremacy. They even have a war dance called the haka that is quite intimidating. Modern sports teams in New Zealand even perform this dance before games and matches to intimidate the opposing team. It also pumps themselves up before the game a bit too. It's really quite a sight if you've never seen it. But back to the history. Europeans brought muskets. Tribes that got the muskets against tribes without muskets. And I think you can guess who would have won those battles. Then there were wars with the British. So between the muskets, European diseases, and two-thirds of the Maori converting to Christianity, which is a separate podcast probably, the Maori culture and traditions took a bit of a hit. By the 1900s, the Maori were second-class citizens and increasingly westernizing New Zealand. They did get a few seats in Parliament, however. Okay, so some good, some bad. This warrior culture is fascinating. What, what else is interesting about the Maori? I would say their face tattoos are world-class. Every tattoo is different, very intricate, very intimidating. Life expectancy for them, at the beginning at least when they came to New Zealand, was probably around 30 years old. To live to 50 was exceptional. Their greeting's pretty interesting too. They greet each other by pressing their forehead and noses together. Oh, and they sometimes ate their opponents after a victory. Yes, humans. It was a sign of intimidation, and I would say I'm intimidated. Whew, when I visit New Zealand hopefully soon, I would like to take an experiential Maori tour, but hopefully that's not part of it. Okay, final question. So what's up with the Maori today in modern day? Today, Maori make up 14% of the population in New Zealand. If you were to compare that with the U.S., I don't know the exact percent, but I know the Native American percentage of the population is much less than that. So 14% is significant, and the Maori history, language, and traditions are both celebrated and central to New Zealand's identity. Well, Todd, I think that's all the time we have today. 
on this podcast, but it's been an absolute pleasure having you as a guest. Let me get our listeners out of here on a final thought. This stuff, in addition to just being straight up interesting, it's important stuff. To understand today is to first have known yesterday. May you ever keep learning about our history to make our future better. Cheers.